Well, it's good to see you all again. I was sure after last year when we talked about Luke 14 that I would never again be invited to come here. Uh, maybe I didn't do my job. I thought I scared everybody adequately last year, but maybe not. Um, <clears throat> well, anyway, um, we have a, a short time together this weekend, and we want to actually continue the fellowship that we began a year ago. If you weren't here, that's okay. It, it's, it is a continuation, but you'll, you'll be fine if you weren't here. Um, we have a general, <clears throat> general subject for this weekend, which is on the first outline, I think, is it? Yeah, let's read that general subject together. So last time we were together, we talked a lot about the verse which we just read, uh, Matthew 6.33, and <clears throat> we were saying that the, um, the point in Matthew 6.33 is what are our priorities? What do we seek first? You know, the word first implies priority. And we talked, we used this word a lot last year, what are our priorities? And we, we contrasted this <clears throat> to another word that we use a lot, and that's the word balance. Because very often this question arises, how do we balance our many responsibilities, our many obligations, our many burdens in our human life, in our Christian life, in our church life? It looks impossible, doesn't it? Uh, I know I've been there. It's uh, it's difficult. So I would like to suggest to you again that it's not that helpful to think in terms of balance. You don't control everything, so you can't balance everything. If you controlled everything, you could balance it. But you don't control it. You don't control what your boss wants you to do. You don't control what, when your children get sick. You don't control when your car breaks down. You don't control when the young people need help. You don't control any of that. So instead of thinking about balance, let's think about priorities. And then we're going to take a look this weekend at how we could live a life with God's kingdom and God's righteousness as the priority. God's righteousness is Christ. God's kingdom is the church. So we, we want to find out <clears throat> how do we live a life where our, our first priority is Christ and the church. I think if we took a poll, that's what we all want, isn't it? We all would like to have such a life where Christ and the church are first, at least 
we aspire to it, even if we haven't quite been able to do it, we, we aspire to it. Okay, so um, let's go on. The, the, the title of this outline, and don't be bothered by the length of this outline. It's actually quite a simple outline. We'll finish it. We're not going to emphasize the truth points because it's very simple from the standpoint of the truth. And my burden this weekend is not to expound the truth, but talk about this living. And this, this title says that we need to live the kingdom life for the growth of the seed of the kingdom within us. <clears throat> so this is the first point of having a living that seeks first the kingdom of God. It's to care for the growth of the seed of the kingdom within us. It's to pay attention to the growth. Actually, the growth, and we will see this in this outline, the growth of this seed, the divine seed, the, the seed of the divine life that got into us, the growth of that seed is the coming of the kingdom. This is a very mysterious matter, not understood well, but I think this outline makes it clear. So there's two things here. There's the seed and there's the soil. So the first part of this outline, we'll talk a little about the seed. Then we will talk about the soil. The soil is the human heart. And the condition of the soil is determined by us. We have actually nothing to do with the seed. The seed is the seed. And the seed is wonderful. We'll talk about it. But the soil may be good soil, it may be not good soil. That's determined by us. That means that the, in the end, the growth of the seed is determined by us. Have you ever thought about it? It's not determined by the Lord. It's not determined by the seed. It's determined by the soil. So that's what we want to fellowship in this message. But let me emphasize this in the title. To live a life that seeks first the kingdom of God means we live a life that pays attention to the growth of the divine seed within us and within others. That's what we're talking about. You may say, well, that's very... That's very spiritual, that's, that's not very practical. Don't worry, the end of the weekend we'll get very practical. But if we don't care for the growth, this will never be real to us. Um, you'll never reach this goal of having Christ and the church as the priority in your life. Now, the first three Roman numerals of this outline tell us what is this seed that has been sown into us. And then the last one, uh, Roman numeral four, talks about the soil or the condition of our heart. That's what we will emphasize, but we want to firstly 
talk a little bit about the seed. And in this first part of the outline, there's a very interesting and rather difficult point of the truth that I hope you can get. Uh, even though I said we're not emphasizing the truth side, you need to get this one point in order to understand where we're going. Okay, let's read Roman numeral one together. good so a kingdom and we use the word kingdom in this way when we talk about biology a kingdom is related to life actually we use the word kingdom in two ways don't we sometimes we talk about a kingdom as a uh, uh, a governmental unit a a sphere of of reigning right like the kingdom of Saudi Arabia but other times we use the the word kingdom in a biological sense we talk about the plant kingdom the animal kingdom the the uh, human kingdom well when we talk about the kingdom of God we're actually talking about both we're talking about both meanings of the word kingdom and in this outline you'll see it tells us how they go together how they go together it's very marvelous but let's let's begin with this point the kingdom is related to the life if you are going to be part of the animal kingdom the requirement is you have to have an animal life there's no other way you can't choose to join it and guess what you can't switch kingdoms you can't say I, you know I'm very tired of being a plant now I think I'll be an animal <laughs> you can't do it you don't have the right life you can never change kingdoms and by the way that never happened it never happened uh, plants did not become animals and animals did not become humans. I'm not going to talk about evolution today. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, it never happened. Man's human spirit did not evolve. Never, ever happened. But I want to tell you, there's one exception. Human beings can enter the divine kingdom. Hallelujah. Amen. Plants never enter the animal kingdom. Animals never enter the human kingdom. But what if they did? What if they did? Anybody here have a dog? Who has a dog? Okay, what's your dog's name? Jubilee? <laughs> Jubilee, a, a girl dog or a boy dog? A girl dog. Okay. Let's just suppose that this weekend our sister brings Jubilee to the Working Saints Conference. And Jubilee comes into the meeting 
walking on two legs. And as Jubilee comes into the meeting, she says, hello, saints. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We would be astounded. We would call, I don't know who we would call. We'd make a video, it'd go viral. Jubilee, the miracle dog, walks on two feet, speaks in the human language. Apparently, Jubilee has changed kingdoms. Has it ever happened? No. But a greater miracle than that happens every day, every minute. A human being gets regenerated. When a human being gets regenerated, that should be on the front page of the Washington Post. Today, a human being got transferred into the divine kingdom. That's a much greater miracle than Jubilee the Wonder Dog. It actually is, if you think about it. It actually is a much greater leap if such a thing were possible for Jubilee. Sorry, Jubilee. The problem is you have a body and a soul, but no spirit. And that's never going to evolve, no matter how many millions of years you have for it to try to evolve. So... What is the divine kingdom? It's the realm of the divine species. And you only can enter that realm by birth. That's John chapter 3. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you can't know it. You can't understand it unless you are born into it. So let me read a little. It says a kingdom is the totality of a certain life. The plant life is the plant kingdom. The animal life is the animal kingdom, and the human life is the human kingdom. In the same way, the divine life, which is God's life, Christ himself, is the divine kingdom, God's kingdom. Are we clear? The life and the, the, the kingdom is the totality of the life. You add together all of the human life, you have the human kingdom. You add together all of the divine life, you have the divine kingdom. Once the divine kingdom was actually rather small, but now it's growing. Every time a human being is regenerated, the kingdom of the divine life has expanded. Think about it. It's a great thing. You know, when we pray according to the Lord's word, his instructions to the disciples, your kingdom come. What are we really praying for? Are we just praying that the Lord will come back as the king? That's one aspect. But before he comes back as the king, the divine life needs to enter into more human beings and he needs to grow in more human beings. That's, that's the coming of the kingdom. Now B says, Oh, B is really a marvelous point. Let's read that. The kingdom in its reality is the Lord Jesus as the Spirit. 
Nobody knows this. Nobody knows this. The kingdom actually is a person. And for the kingdom to get into you and me, for that seed to get into you and me, he must be the spirit. So the spirit who enters into us is actually the seed of the kingdom. That's marvelous. Uh, just as the plant kingdom is a realm of the plant species and the animal kingdom is a realm of the animal species, so the kingdom of God is a realm of the divine species. Oh, I like that word. You know, human beings can be regenerated to become part of the divine species. <laughs> Don't you think that's a miracle? That's, you know, it, it can easily become common to us. So we say, oh, yeah, 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 sure, yeah. Sometimes we need to consider it a little bit, ponder it a little bit. What happened to you when you got regenerated? And what happens to a human being when they get regenerated? Okay, now, Roman numeral two is very important because remember I said we use the kingdom in the word kingdom in two ways. This Roman numeral actually tells you how the two meanings of the word kingdom go together. Let's read Roman numeral two. You'll see what I mean. The kingdom of God. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So the kingdom begins as a seed that gets into you. And then as the seed and it gets into you, it gets into me, it gets into thousands of people, it gets into millions of people. But in the beginning, it's a tiny seed within each one of us. But as the seed grows, and as the seed develops, a realm is formed. And it's an invisible realm, but it's very real. It's a kingdom. Do you see the relationship between the two aspects of the kingdom? As the divine life grows in you and in me and in millions of believers, the, the territory that God rules is increasing. Amen. So the territory that he rules in me needs to increase. And what if all of us gave him all of the territory within us? Now he has a realm where he rules. And what if millions of believers on the whole earth would give him all of the territory in their inner being. The kingdom comes. It comes outwardly. But its outward coming has very, very, very much to do with the growth of the seed within us. Can you see this? It's the main point of this message. If you don't get this, I didn't do a good job. You have to realize that for the kingdom to come outwardly, the seed needs to grow in you Amen. inwardly. 
So to live a life for the kingdom, now you can understand. It means you care for that. You care for the growth in you and in me and in all the saints, all the young people, all the, all the believers. Because when the seed grows, the kingdom comes. Okay, let's all say that together. When the seed grows, you got it? That's the point. Okay, so now we read on. The entrance into the kingdom is regeneration. That's clear. That's what John 3 says. In order to enter into the kingdom, you need to be born. You need to be reborn. We were born into the human kingdom. We are reborn into the kingdom of God. So we are the only species that crosses kingdoms. And we actually, we have dual citizenship. <laughs> We're like, uh, you know, the people who, they have Canadian citizenship and American citizenship. We have human citizenship and divine citizenship. I have two, two passports. Amen. One is man, the other is God. Amen. Wow pretty good huh well the entrance is regeneration and the development is the believers growth in the divine life and here you see second Peter 1 3 through 11 you're going to see these verses a lot this weekend because it talks about the divine life and nature entering into us as a seed and then out of that seed come all of the transformed human virtues that are the growth of the divine life. And then it results in verse 11 with the entrance into the kingdom. They're very, very, very crucial verses. Maybe we'll take the time to read them in the next session, but I hope you would read them and, and read them a few times this weekend. They, they really embody these verses embody the burden of this weekend very much so first we enter into the kingdom by regeneration then how do we live in the kingdom we live in the church life we live in the church life the church life is the kingdom so we're talking about living a life in the kingdom of God you have to be in the church life and we just had a, a training in Leipzig and we talked about this point. You know, we use this terminology, say, uh, uh, so-and-so is in the church life. What does that mean? <laughs> it's kind of an odd statement, isn't it? In the church life. Some, sometimes when my kids were young, they would ask me, Dad, is so-and-so in the church life? And I'd say, you know, I really don't know. I know whether you come to meetings or not, because I can see you. But whether or not you're in the church life, I, I don't know. Because there's a reality to being in the church life. And it's much more than attending meetings, isn't it? Now, by the way, I highly recommend that you attend the meetings of the church. <laughs> It's hard to be in the reality of the church life if you're not in the meetings, but you get my point. 
coming to meetings does not equal being in the reality of the church life, does it? No, actually being in the church life is to live in the kingdom. They're one and the same. And if the divine life is not growing in us, if the seed of the kingdom is not developing in us day by day, month by month, year by year, and yet we claim to be in the church life, I would say you're kind of in the church life, but not really. Do you see my point? Because you're not so much in the reality. The, the, we entered into it through regeneration, but it develops by growth. It has to grow. So the kingdom is the church life today in which the faithful believers live, and it will develop into the coming kingdom as a reward to be inherited by the overcoming saints in the millennium. And then eventually the kingdom will consummate in the new Jerusalem as the eternal kingdom. Wow, think about this. Think about what this is saying. How does the new Jerusalem, well, let's start with the millennium. You know, every believer on earth who has a cursory understanding of the New Testament understands that at the end of this age, there's something called the millennium and everybody's waiting for it. How does that come into being? And if you talk to believers, you'll get all kinds of answers. Some will say, well, you know, as soon as we preach the gospel to enough people, the end will come. Others would say, well, there's prophecies that need to be fulfilled. The temple needs to be rebuilt. The Antichrist must come. It's all true. But actually, what is it that will bring in the millennial kingdom? It's the growth. It's the growth of the divine life in us. And what will consummate God's economy? What will bring in the new Jerusalem for eternity? Your growth, my growth, all of our growth. Uh, I want to focus you, I want to focus you very squarely on the growth in life. If you miss that, you miss everything. Even if you have the truth, even if you know the prophecy, even if you come to the meetings, you miss the growth in life, you miss everything. Don't miss it. It's just like the human life. You miss the growth in the human life, you die. You miss the human life. No growth, no human life. That's what we're talking about. So I hope, I hope this point is clear. Now, Roman numeral three brings us back to the life aspect of the kingdom. And we read the verse. It's in Mark 4.26. I love this verse. Let's read Roman numeral 3 again. He said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man cast seed on the earth. So here he says, You want to know what the kingdom of God is? It's like a man sowing a seed. So for sure, this is not talking about the outward 
realm of the kingdom, is it? No, it's talking about the inward reality of the kingdom. You know, let me give you two other words that we use. We talk about the reality of the kingdom and the manifestation of the kingdom. The reality of the kingdom is inward. The manifestation of the kingdom is outward. But it's the growth of the reality of the kingdom within us that results in the manifestation of the kingdom outside of us. Can you see this? So here it says the seed is the seed of the divine life. Oh, these are very good verses. 1 John 3, 9 and 1 Peter 1, 23. Let me just mention them very briefly. You know, 1 John 3, 9 talks about being begotten of God by, by his seed. And that word seed in Greek, that's talking about the genetic material. It's not, this is not referring to, you know, like the seed of a plant or a flower. It's talking about the genes that are transmitted in birth. Like the genes you received from your parents. You know, I have a, my father died when he was a middle-aged man, unfortunately. And I have a picture of him in my study. If you saw that picture today, you might say, oh, that's a picture of Brother Mark. Actually, it's not a picture of me. It's a picture of my father when he was a little younger than me. Uh, for some reason, I look just like him. <laughs> the, gen the genes that were passed on to me caused me to appear very, very, very much like my father. Well, it's the same thing in the divine life. This is real. This is not an illustration. This is real. When we were regenerated, when we were born of God, the genetic material, the DNA of the triune God got into us and it's real. That's why we look a little bit like him. And the more we grow, the more we look like him. That's why it says we know when he comes, he, we will be like him because the divine life will have grown in us to that extent. You know, when I was young, I didn't resemble my father so much. But now that I've grown, I really resemble him. It's a picture. It's a picture. Okay, this seed. And then 1 Peter 1.23 refers to the seed as the, the living and abiding word of God. Now, the point here, I don't have time to elaborate. I just want to tell you something. You know what's in the Word of God? The Word of God is a seed that contains the divine life. Don't think of it. Don't think of it as, an animal, uh, as, a, as a seed of a plant. Think of it as the birth of a human being 
when the divine, or excuse me, when the human life is transmitted from the parents to the children. That's what we're talking about. And how does the divine life get transmitted into us? Through the word of God. The word of God is really wonderful. It conveys the divine life. It conveys the divine seed. It actually conveys the divine kingdom. That's why when we preach the gospel, it's powerful. It's not just words. It's it's sowing a seed of the kingdom. Okay, this seed is the seed of the divine life sown into the believers indicating that the kingdom of God, which is the issue and goal of the Lord's gospel and the church life in this age are a matter of life. You got it? The kingdom is a matter of life. Sprouts, bears fruit, and produces a harvest. And I like that verse we read at the end of Mark 4. It says, the kingdom is like a seed which a man plants into the ground and it grows how he doesn't know isn't that great because we often ask oh how can i grow in life yeah it doesn't depend on you that's what the divine life does you can help it along you can hinder it a little bit but it 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 actually is a spontaneous thing that's what it is designed to do so it does it Okay, so the kingdom is a matter of life which sprouts, bears fruit, and produces a harvest. These are scriptural words. This is how the Bible describes the development of the kingdom. The triune God in humanity is the seed, the gene of the kingdom of God. To be sown into God's chosen people that he might grow in them. That's the development, and then be expressed from within them to develop into God's ruling realm. That's the manifestation of the growth that happens within. And then point C tells us the consummation as the stone cut out without hands, Christ will come, amen. As the smiting stone with his overcoming bride, to smash and crush the human government of mankind. Boy, I can hardly wait. I'm getting tired of the human government. And the corporate Christ, Christ with his overcomers, will become a great mountain, signifying a great kingdom. This is Daniel chapter 2. A great kingdom, the eternal kingdom of God, to fill the whole earth forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Oh, I can't wait. You know? Oh, that'll be great, won't it? Okay. So that's the seed. Now let's talk about the soil. The soil, we, we often say that when we are regenerated, the divine life, the divine spirit, the divine seed comes into our spirit. It's true. That's true. But let me remind you, and forgive me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something very simple here, but the simple things are, are actually the important things. So a man is tripartite, 
with three parts, a body, a soul, and a spirit. Body, soul, spirit. And when we talk about the, the spirit, we're clear, we're talking about the innermost part of man. When we talk about the heart, what are we talking about? You see, the seed is sown in our spirit, but it grows in our heart. So according to the Bible, there's three parts of the human spirit, the conscience, the fellowship, and the intuition. And there's three parts of the human soul, the mind, the emotions, and the will. Sorry for my poor drawing. And when we talk about the heart, here's the point. The heart includes both the soul and the main part of our spirit. So it's crucial. It, 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 it's, it's the crucial part of our inner being the heart is composed of the conscience, which is part of our spirit, plus the three parts of our soul, our mind, emotion, and will. That's the heart. That's the heart. Or we can write it like an equation. Heart equals conscience plus mind plus emotion plus will. There's our, there's our heart. And the heart is where the seed has to grow. Amen. So the heart is crucial. Amen. It's very, very, very crucial. And why do we say that the conscience is the main part of the spirit and also part of the heart? I'm not going to give you the doctrinal answer. I'm going to give you the, the life answer. Because when you hear the gospel and you repent and the divine life enters into you, yes, it enters into your spirit through your conscience. Amen. And when it enters into your spirit through your conscience, it has now been planted in your heart. Amen. And then it needs to grow in the, in the heart, in all of the parts of the heart, which is all of the parts of the soul. So we're going to talk about this more in the next session, but I hope this, you will never forget this little diagram. Now, here it says, seeking first the kingdom by living the kingdom life for the growth of the seed, the gene of the kingdom within us. This is illustrated by the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. The Lord sows himself as the seed of life, into men's hearts, the soil, that he might grow and live in them and be expressed from within them. You know, very often in our fellowship together, we emphasize the spirit as we should, because if we don't exercise our spirit, nothing's going to happen. But when we talk about the growth in life, we need to emphasize the heart. Uh, if the seed, is the word of God. You know, in the parable which we all know in Matthew 13, the seed is the same, but 
it has different results depending on where it lands. It's just like our experience in the church meetings. We went to the same meeting. We heard the same thing. That you got a lot and I got nothing. What was the problem? My heart. My heart. My heart wasn't there. My heart wasn't open. My heart was hardened. My heart was turned away. There was no problem with what was being spoken. There was a problem in my heart. So that's the, that's the principle that Matthew 13 is talking about. And we all know it talks about four kinds of heart, which is four kinds of soil. And we'll just go through it quickly. The first kind, the seed landed by the wayside. The wayside signifies the heart that is hardened. Is your heart ever hard? Yeah. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. And the seed comes, it just bounces right off of your heart. Because your heart is so hard. What hardens our heart? Well, the wayside means there's a lot of people walking on it. That's the traffic of the world. And according to Matthew 13, such a heart cannot open to understand, to comprehend the word of the kingdom. It's so interesting. You know, some people have no problem understanding the truth. And some people, although they're very intelligent, they just cannot grasp the truth. They have a PhD in physics, but when you talk about the seed of the divine life, they cannot grasp it. What's the problem? It's not the intellect, it's the heart. It's the heart. Actually understanding this after tonight, later tonight, we're gonna, you, 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 you all, wrote some very, very, very good questions, and we're gonna talk about those questions. By the way, don't give us any more. I already have too many. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, one of the questions that we get a lot is, how, how do you understand the truth? There, there's more than one side, but let me tell you, it has a lot to do with the condition of your heart. It has a lot to do with that. Um, sometimes people tell me, oh, you know, people can't understand the, 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 the speaking's too high. People can't understand it. Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. The human heart was made to receive the word of God. Amen. All of it. That's like saying, oh, you know, the grass seed, it's much too high for this soil out here. No, it's not. That soil's made to grow grass. Don't ever talk that way. The truth is not too high. It, the soil is too hard. That's the problem. You know, let's, let, me, let me tell you a very quick story. You know, 19 early 90s we began to use this expression the high peak of the divine revelation and 
quoting one of the church fathers, Athanasius, that God became man to make man God in life and nature, but not in the Godhead. People with a soft heart, when they heard that, said, wow, amen. People with a hard heart said, ooh, that's so high. No one can understand it. What do you think? Is it understandable? I know a person. She's a middle-aged sister who, who got saved recently. And I asked her, I said, you know, it's not that common for a person to get saved in their, in their 40s. I'd like to know what happened to you. I mean, you must have heard the gospel when you were younger. She said, oh, yeah, I heard it many times. And she said, I just, it just never impacted me when I heard it. I said, well, what happened this time? She said, well, I work in this store, and one of the sisters works there. And she told me that, she said, she said uh, have, you, have you ever heard that God became man to make man God in life and nature? She said, when I heard that, I realized the gospel, it's something entirely different than what I'd ever heard before. That's saved. Now, if an unbeliever with a soft heart can understand that statement, why can't you? <laughs> it's a heart problem. I'm telling you, it's not a truth problem. It's a heart problem. You clear? And what causes our heart to be hard? We all know. Just get involved with the world. Then when you come to the meeting, he's like, mm. <laughs> you just don't have much taste for it. Right. We know. I don't need to tell you what the world is. You have your world, I have mine. But we all know what the world is. Okay, then the rocky places, that's the other kind of heart. The rocky places that do not have much earth signify the heart that is shallow. Shallow in receiving the word of the kingdom. And what causes it to be shallow is that deep within such a heart are rocks. That's the picture. What are the rocks? They're things hidden underneath the surface. When you look at it, you don't know that that's actually very shallow soil because right under the surface are rocks. As soon as you <laughs> dig a little bit, you hit the rock. And the rocks signify the hidden sins, the hidden personal desires, like hidden ambition, hidden goals, self-seeking, self-pity, all the things related to the self which hinder the seed from taking root in the depths of our hearts. I think we all, you know, none of us are real, real, real young here. We are all, all at the age where we can understand if the seed does not get deeply into us, it can easily 
be damaged. Here's another question I get asked a lot. Why do people leave the church life? Or let's say it in a more positive way. How can I stay in the church life? Here's the answer. The reality of the church life is the growth of this divine seed within us. If it gets deeply into you, you can't get it out. You know, where I live in the Seattle area, blackberries grow wild. And you don't have to buy blackberries because they grow everywhere. They grow on the side of the road. And, but they grow everywhere, which is a problem because they're kind of a weed, really. And they have thorns. You ever, you ever picked blackberries? You get all scratched up trying to pick blackberries. And you know, we have some that grew uninvited at our meeting hall. We didn't plant them. And then we tried to get rid of them. Man, good luck. You cannot get rid of those things. The roots go on forever. And uh, you, you can cut it down. You can dig it out. But it's coming back. Well, let the divine seed get deep. <laughs> You can never get rid of it even when you try to. Because sometimes we try to. We say, I've had enough of this. I've had enough of this church life. Am I the only one? <laughs> no, at some point we've all said that. I've had enough of this Christian life, this church life. It's too hard. I didn't sign up for this. Lord, where was this in the fine print? I was just trying to get saved. I didn't know it was going to be like this. Well, let the, let the seed get deep so that when you have those times, you can dig all you want. You're not getting rid of the seed. Isn't that good? It's what we want. Uh, okay, let's read on. The thorns, here's a big one. The thorns, that's another type of soil is one that has thorns in it, like those blackberries. The thorns signify two things, the anxiety of the age and the deceitfulness of riches. Why does the Bible put these two things together, anxiety and riches? Because anxiety is mainly related to our livelihood, our living, and it tells us here that riches are deceitful. They are, aren't they? When we're in a moment of clarity, like right now, we can all see it. It's like, yep, it's a big deception to chase after riches in an attempt to relieve anxiety. We know it when we're sitting here, but when we're not sitting here, big problem. How am I going to put them through? I don't, I don't have four kids. I have two. Uh, I'm, I'm using an illustration. How am I going to put them through college? And, and my kids, they don't want to just go to college. They want to go to med school, law school, and dental school. How am I going to do this? Well, 
And the brothers, now they're telling me I should serve full time. What's going to happen? I mean, this is real. This is real. These are real dilemmas that we face. And um, if our heart is filled with these things, there's no room. We all have this experience. There's just no room. Even if we might even appreciate what we hear, we say, oh, that's, that's, that's good, 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 good. But there's just no room in our heart for it because our heart's really filled with anxiety. Anxiety is a big, big thing, isn't it? Um, but the point I would give you right now is that how much of our anxiety is related to the deceitfulness of riches and our livelihood. Um, okay, let's go on. The thorns choke the word. What they do is they, they, they use up all of the nutrients in the soil so there's nothing left for the divine seed. So instead of the divine seed growing, the anxiety grows. Don't feed your anxiety. <laughs> feed, the, feed the divine life. Well, hallelujah, there's a, good, there's a fourth kind of earth, which is the good earth. The good earth signifies the good... Let's all read four together. The good earth. The good earth signifies the good heart that is not hardened by worldly traffic, that is without hidden sins, and that is without the anxiety of the age and the deceitfulness of riches. Such a heart gives every inch of its ground to receive the word, that the word may grow, bear fruit, and produce even a hundredfold. Okay, so that's clear. The good earth is the opposite of those first three kinds of earth. That's clear. But if you're like me, you will, you will say now, well, that's, that's very good. How do I get that? Because I don't have that. Well, let me give you a simple answer, and then we'll, we'll, we'll speak a little more about it this morning and we'll speak more about it this afternoon. The simple answer is this. We need to maintain the soil. We need to deal with the condition of our hearts. You can't grow things just by planting them and leaving them, can you? After you plant them, there's there's You've got to pull some weeds. You've got to add some nutrients. You have to water the seed. There's, there's things that you need to do to grow them well. And if you don't, there's going to be some problems. Well, that's the picture. Our heart needs to be maintained in a proper condition. And it's every day. It's every day. It's a, it's a continual thing. So here, here's a very, very interesting point. Listen to this. We have within us certain nutrients created by God as a preparation for his coming into us to grow in us. Did you know that? 
God has created the human spirit with the human nutrients along with the human heart as the soil for the divine seed. You know, the seed needs what is in the soil. It needs the nutrients from the soil in order to have the material to grow. Am I right? The, 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 the life, life is in the seed, but it must have the nutrients in the soil for that life to grow. If the seed is not sown into soil, it doesn't grow. Now, point D is a very important point. I, I would like us to read it together. The rate... clear, isn't it? You know, plants, you can, if you want, just plant it in the ground and leave it. But if you really want it to grow, put some plant food on there, right? Put some fertilizer, put some, we've got one at home called miracle Grow. Put some miracle Grow on there. Actually, you really don't even need any miracles. You just need nutrients. And it is a kind of miracle. You supply the, the seed with nutrients, it grows really well. If you don't, it'll still grow, but it won't grow so well. Now we understand our experience and the experience of many other saints. Why do some grow well and others do not? We all have the same seed. And we even all have the same environment. We're in the church life. The difference, the only difference is the heart. And, and we control that. We control that. Don't say, oh, I have a bad heart. I just can't have a heart like Brother Paul. Paul's got a good heart. I don't. No, Paul has a rotten heart. <laughs> it's exactly like yours. Sorry, Paul. But he does. And so do I. We all have rotten hearts. Don't, don't say, don't excuse yourself that way. Deal, deal with the condition of your heart. We'll talk more about how to do that later. But here, here the point is not to deal with the negative things. Here the point is supply the positive things. Get into the Word of God every day. Exercise your spirit every day. Water the seed. Fertilize the seed. Supply nutrients to the seed. And if you read here again, you'll see 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11. If you read those verses, the nutrients that you supply actually are the human virtues like diligence. That's the nutrients that will cause the seed to grow. Okay, let me finish up. If we remain in our soul, in our natural man, there will not be any nutrients for the growth of the divine seed. But if we are strengthened with power into our inner man, 
and we pay attention to our spirit, Amen. take heed to our spirit and exercise our spirit, the nutrients will be supplied. Please take note of this. I just mentioned one of the virtues that we need to supply the seed because it's the main one. It's called diligence. We're all the same. As soon as I say diligence, you say, I don't have that. Yes, you do. Don't look at your soul. It's in your spirit. The nutrients are in our spirit. Say, well, how can the human virtues be in my spirit? Christ is in you. A God-man is in you. The most diligent person in the universe is in you. Not in your soul, in your spirit. So yes, you do have diligence. And you have all of the transformed human virtues. They're in your spirit. That's why it says we can't supply the nutrients that the seed needs from our soul. Because the soil is the the, the dirt. The soil is our soul. The nutrients come from our spirit. Makes sense, doesn't it? The soul's dirty. It's just dirt. There are no nutrients there. But our spirit is full of nutrients. So we take heed to our spirit, exercise our spirit. The nutrients will be supplied and Christ will make his home in our hearts. That's exactly Ephesians 3, isn't it? If we are strengthened into our inner man, Christ makes home in our hearts. Because when we're strengthened into our inner man, the nutrients that are in our regenerated spirit can supply the seed to grow in our hearts. If we are going to have the Lord as the seed of life grow within us to be our full enjoyment, this is so simple. You know, the experience is so simple. Let's read the last point together. If we are going... Okay, this afternoon we'll talk more about dealing thoroughly with our heart, but let's just cover the very first point here. To open. To open, and that's in Psalm 139. The psalmist prays, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Know it. Why would we be afraid to do that? He actually already knows it. So why are we afraid to do that? But give him permission to do it. It means a lot. So the first point in dealing with the heart is to be open. And we control that. Don't forget that. You control whether your heart is open or closed. Don't say, oh, my heart's closed. I can't open it. If you can't open it, who can? That's your house. You're the only one with that key. You can open it. That's a choice. 
You control your will 100%. God does not control your will. Satan does not control your will. You control it 100%. God has decided in his economy, he will not control man's will, even though he could. And God has also decided that Satan cannot control man's will. If Satan could control man's will, no one could ever get saved. So you decide. You decide. Sometimes we excuse ourselves. The devil attacked me. and uh, Yeah, the devil attacks you all the time. But whether your heart is open or closed, it's entirely up to you. You can choose it. You can say, I'm open. I've got, I don't, I left it in my room. I have the key to my house. If I feel like opening the door, I just do it. It's up to you. Okay, we have more to say, but we'll save it for this afternoon. I hope we could still spend at least a few minutes for a little bit of sharing.